Hi, and welcome back to Weekly Dev Tips. I'm your host, Steve Smith, a.k.a. Art Dallas. This is episode 67. Uh, we are recording here at uh, NDC London. I have Chris Plug with me, and we're going to be talking about abstractions. Yeah, abstractions. All right. What, what do you want to say about abstractions? Well, it's just I, I see a lot of developers keeping away from abstracting away things um, abstra- and taking dependencies on, on things uh, unnecessarily. Uh, I, I might abstract maybe a few too many things, but I'd rather have an abstraction that I can remove and change than be stuck with a dependency. Okay. So what's a good example? Uh, well, it can be anything. It's like you've got the classical, I want to abstract away my my implementation so that I can do my unit testing, for example. Sure. Everybody knows that abstraction, but I will even go as far as abstracting away certain abstractions, which sounds really weird, but All if right. you take a dependency on a NuGet package, say I'm using Mediator, for example. Right. Mediator has its own level of abstractions. They have their own interfaces. They do. Yep. I still don't like using those. I actually want to abstract those as well and so I have my own abstractions. So I can define my own API that I want to use, have my own names for everything. And I've, even sure. if you take a dependency on someone else's abstraction, you're still taking a dependency on their stuff. Right. So well, one I, of the benefits of abstractions is that you control it. Right? Yep, you want to depend exactly. on the interfaces you own, even if they're you know, more or less you know, one-to-one with the vendor that you're using today. Yeah. It might save you down the road if you need to swap it out. It's, that's my opinion. Uh, I, I argue a lot with developers uh, on and off whether or not that makes any sense because a lot of people go and say, well, there's already an abstraction in place because I already have an interface. Right. Yes, that is an abstraction of sorts, but it's not abstracting you uh, or your stuff. It's abstracting their stuff. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, you, you wouldn't have a hard time convincing me necessarily because I think we're uh, of the same mind yeah. here. But uh, just to play you know, devil's advocate for a bit, it's so much work for me to have to create a separate interface that would match the vendor's interface. I mean, that iMediator interface, just to use that as an example, it must have like 50 methods on it that I'd have to totally re-implement all I have to do this. Why would uh, I go through all that effort? Well, yes and no. First of all, you probably don't need if, Even if they had, they especially that interface is pretty small, but even if it had 50 methods, you're probably not using all of them. Fair so enough. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would make an abstraction that fits my needs. So I would start with the fewest number of methods I needed to solve my problem, and then see if that works. So yes, there's an. It's extra work, obviously, and there's extra work of plugging it in and making it work and and all of that. And there's it's an extra level of abstraction to work through when you're debugging things, for example. So there are downsides as to everything in development wise. There are downsides and there are upsides. Yes, there's extra work of plugging it in, but once you're done with it, once you're done creating that interface then it, it's there, you're done, uh, and hopefully it saves you down the road. If, if mediator stop, your mediator package stops getting updated or there's something else that works better or you decide to go somewhere else with your own implementation, then you can just remove it. it I think it's worth that effort, uh, but I do get that opinion a lot that, hey, it's extra code. And I don't necessarily think extra code is a bad thing. I know everybody goes towards, I want less and less code, and people love the whole, I'm going to have a common base class because I can reuse certain things out of this and that and everything, but then having duplicate code actually helps in some cases because things can evolve separately. You don't get stuck with with things being tied together with... Yeah, code reuse implies code coupling. Yeah. And so it, it works great as long as everything is using it in the same way, but as soon as their needs diverge, now it's a hindrance, not a help. Yep. And I see that a lot, which is also why I think 
comes into the discussion of uh, inheritance versus uh, composition. Right. Uh, where in a lot of people like the idea, oh, we've got inheritance because we've got object-oriented programming in C-sharp, so let's do inheritance. Let's create these super classes that, that infer some form of logic because we're going to reuse that, but then it kind of screws you down the line because all of a sudden it's, you're tied to that and you realize, oh, I needed that extra thing, but that's sort of halfway up my inheritance change, and that's if I... Ch- put it in there, I'm going to screw this other class that is part of the inheritance chain as well. So I, even, that's one of the other things I would say is like always composition over inheritance because com- inheriting things is complicated. Uh, and yeah, in, in my case, that ends up with extra code as well, but that solves problems as well. Sure. In the, in the inheritance case, you only have single inheritance in C-sharp and it's, you know, again, it's a question of coupling. Once once sure. you've decided who you're going to inherit from, you can't easily change that. Whereas with uh, dependency injection or the strategy pattern or other things, you can easily, use through composition, do all kinds of things to change that behavior, even yep. at runtime. Exactly. Which is an interesting thing. Um, and it's, I used to be in the, the camp of you should inherit things and you should do object-oriented thing and abstractions would get this adding. My, my example of having an interface on top of an interface seems illogical in, for a lot of people. But to me, I'd rather have that and more code and have readable, usable code uh, that saves me in the future uh, than go with, oh, it's, it's extra lines of code and extra lines of code is always bad. And I, I kind of disagree with that idea. So are there any interfaces, uh, like in the framework, for instance, that you would just use as is? Or you pretty much, if you're coding to something, you're, you're going to write an interface for it first that you own and then write an adapter for that to whatever it might be? That's a, that's a fantastic question. Uh, actually, most of the stuff in the framework would, for me, stay sort of on the outside of my... I, I don't do domain-driven design, but it kind of stays on the outside, like ports and adapters model. Right. Where it, that would stay on the outside and I would take a dependency on that. Because if I'm running in an ASP.NET Core environment, for example, it's unlikely that that would change in the future because I'm tied to that hosting environment, hosting model anyway. So I would take a dependency on the outer layers, but once I get in, then that would naturally, in the selection of architecture I use, get stopped at those stages and then I would have other stuff inside. So my infrastructure dependencies would be I wouldn't be abstracting those away as much because they, I don't let them leak into my my domain as much as I would with a bunch of other things, for example. Okay, it's a weird hard line I know or soft line, uh, but it's it's one of those you have to look at every dependency and see whether or not it's worth doing. Uh, if sure. if it's something that you think is going to change, like will I change this NuGet package in the future? Well, that seems like a possibility. Will I change hosting model in the future? That seems unlikely. Uh, or less likely than me changing an, uh, a random NuGet package that I've chosen to use. Right. You're probably not going to switch from ASP.NET Core to some other .NET Core technology that serves web stuff. No, right? exactly. Like, you know, there's, there are, as far as I know, I don't know of any. Right? Maybe there's um, Nancy FX or something is, is out there. But, but that, Even that would probably cost me to have to change a lot of things. Right. So it's a pretty big move. And once you've taken dependency on something, then I think you can go all in on that dependency. And if I've chosen the dependency of .NET Core and I don't think that is a dependency that's going to change, then I'm fine with adopting that. But as I said, as an outer layer in in sort of an onion architecture model where I leave that on the outside so it doesn't slide into my own stuff too much. So where do you stand on uh, data access 
and abstraction, since that seems to be something people want to debate back and forth. It's like, oh, repository is an anti-pattern, and oh, you should just use Entity Framework because it implements repository. I'm I'm really torn. <laughs> it depends on situation. We've got that discussion at work right now, uh, where we have sort of implemented uh, more of a command query design, okay. uh, and then the question comes: if we're doing command and query stuff to get our domain, and then we need to get our domain objects to make changes to them or read them. Do we need an extra layer of repository on top of entity framework? And that's sort of a still up for debate in our situation. Uh, I think the repository pattern on top of entity framework makes sense if you don't want to use lazy loading, for example, because it allows you to do the includes and then includes calls and basically get your entire graph up at once and have the same graph being pulled up all the time. Whereas if you end up having entity framework spread out and have the DB context being spread out across your application, then every place you do a query, you need to remember to include the extra objects and a few other things like that. So it's there are pros and cons as with everything. Uh, we ended up not using repository pattern in our solution right now. And about two days later, we came back to maybe we should have a repository in there. Um, but it's also one, honestly, it's kind of the hardest pattern that you can discuss because it's there's lots of opinions on the repository pattern. And there are lots of what I feel, if you look at what repository pattern is supposed to do, is wrongly implemented. Sure, uh, lots of different ways to implement it. Yeah, and it's also the, when you come down to repository pattern, it, it becomes hard because you come to the, how do you handle unit work? How do you do save? Right. repositories shouldn't have save because it should be unit of work based instead uh, and that becomes scary because if you do a a.net core for example you do a, a scoped data db context then i can read it in one place and make a change to an entity and then do something in another place and, and change something there and then somebody calls save changes intending to save one thing causing something else to be saved and so on so sure which it, you could totally do in a desktop application yeah. as well, because it's just a matter of there being different classes that both have access to the same DB content. Yes. So lifetime, the DI lifetime becomes like a big deal uh, and quite interesting to look at. And yeah, it's I don't have a uh, a fix. This is the way to go. I wish I did, uh, but I keep going back and forth. Once in a while, I have a repo. Once in a while, I don't. Uh, I haven't figured out what the best solution is. Now, just to drill into it for a second, like. You're saying you're using like a commands and queries style, yep. and that makes it less necessary for you to, re to use an abstraction. And I would argue, and you tell me if I'm right, that's because any one of those commands or queries is basically a standalone thing in which all the data access occurs. And if you wanted to swap out any framework, you would just write a new command object and use and use this other one instead of the entity framework one. You'd use a mapper one or whatever. Yeah, exactly. The, it, 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 it's if, if you look at the architecture, it becomes weird to say it, I think, in my head, that the command becomes an abstraction enough that you don't need an abstraction for the database, which once again, it sounds odd, but what you, to me, yes, I, I, I encapsulate all of the database logic in my command. And it's like, as you say, it's a unit of work, basically. And that's also nice because it means my DB context is actually transient in, in the DI. Okay. So it gets injected. So every single command, if I were to run two commands in two separate, uh, or in the same in call, a request. in a single request, yeah, I would still end up with two separate uh, database contexts that wouldn't be able to pollute each other or make any so changes. you're not using the default lifetime of no. scope that it would normally use? No. Oh, that's interesting. Because it, it keeps me, yeah, it, it just, it isolates the command to one thing. So 
because otherwise you could end up with if you were running two commands in one one request that one actually incident accidentally made a change or whatever and then it have the same db context in the other that actually called save and then you'd end up with weirdness potentially so we're, we're trying this out um i'm one of those people that i like trying new things so new projects opens up the ability to try something new and see if that works better i'm always trying you always i guess most developers want to try and do better every time you do something new and this time we started from scratch with a new project i got to play around with the architecture that i wanted uh, we're still very early days uh, we've had interesting reactions from the developers because uh, i set the architecture and the proof of concept before the devs got into the project and now they are in and started asking questions so we have had interesting debates which has been cool but we've stuck with the command query things without repos for now all right. So our, our takeaway for, for your tip is don't be afraid to use your own abstractions to wrap dependencies you might take, like NuGet packages. But at the same time, if you have other ways to mitigate that, either you, you know it's not going to change in the lifetime of your app, or you've got something where you have isolated uh, a single class, perhaps, in your system that does all that work, then don't be afraid of just using the thing directly because it's cheap to replace it or rip it out of that if you need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? I, I completely agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds like a good tip. Um, anything that you're working on right now that you want to share or you want to promote your, your company or <laughs> your next speaking gig? Well, I can promote Active Solution where I work, but we're pretty local for Stockholm. And I don't know how big your fan base is in Stockholm. But uh, Well, now that you've been on the show, I'm sure it'll grow tremendously. Yeah, hopefully. We, we will see. Uh, no, other than that, I'm working on uh, lots of Kubernetes stuff at the moment uh, and uh, a bunch of... Right now, I'm doing infrastructure stuff. So I'm doing Pulumi and building infrastructure in the cloud using TypeScript, which has been interesting. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Good to see you again. That's it for this week. If you want to hear more from me, go to rdallas.com slash tips and sign up for a free tip in your inbox every Wednesday. Thanks for subscribing to Weekly Dev Tips. I'll see you next week with another great developer tip.